Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and I want to tell you all that I'm so proud of you for sticking with me through this series. I know it's a lot. I know we've been talking about some intense work, and today we're going to lighten the mood a little bit because I think that there is a common misunderstanding around what inner child work really is. Oftentimes it feels really, really heavy, and it does not need to be. It can be light and quite a lot of fun. And so I'm bringing on a guest who is going to help us understand how inner child work can actually be quite enjoyable and lovely and fun and powerful and transformative at the same time. So please welcome my guest, Kelly Rollins. She is a crochet designer and she makes these beautiful, sweet little dolls that reflect your inner child. And we're just going to be talking about how fun inner child work can be. So Kelly, welcome to the Balanced Parent Podcast. I'm so glad to have you as a guest. Will you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your story? I'm so excited to share it with my listeners. Oh my goodness. I am like giddy right now. Like I get to just talk to all of your people because this podcast has really like transformed how I interact with my own kids. So I'm like kind of like starstruck. So like this is really cool. I feel like that all the time with my guests too, where I feel starstruck. So don't worry, we'll just have a little like gush fest and we're all in this together. We're all learning from each other. In this community, there is no one who's in the expert chair. And I'm so glad that you get to share your story and your wisdom and your gift with us. Okay, so my story, again, I'm Kelly Rollins. I'm in Utah, and I have two beautiful babies. Wynn is four, and Abby is two. And I mean, like, I'm in the thick of it, right? Like, four and two, like, oh, help this mama. But it's also, like, the fun time, because you get to see them, like, really explore their imaginations. I get to see my daughter, like, play with tea sets all the time, and... My son is completely into trains, like obsessed with trains. And it's this magical time where I just get to watch them understand the world. But I'm also sitting here as this mom of two in a pandemic. Yeah. And the world is grating on me. I'm sitting here with a lot of anxiety. Two years ago, when my daughter was born, I wanted to breastfeed her, right? I wanted to do it. All of the things, like the big, 
you know, all of the social media, all of the medical texts, all of the things were telling me breast is best. Even though I knew in my heart fed is best, like it's good, you know, fed is best. I knew this in my heart, but I was like, no, I'm going to do this. It didn't work last Uh time. And everybody tells me second time is better. So we're going to do this, right? Well, hmm. You know, God always has a different so much pressure, so much pressure, right? Like you can feel it. And so I'm carrying all this pressure going into the birth and she's three weeks early. So it's not like crazy, but she comes in the middle of the night and I'm tired and I'm like, oh, but we're going to try for a natural birth and we're going to do all the things right, you know, quote unquote, right. Right. Yeah. And, oh, it gets like so cringy. Right. And she ends up going critical like all of the monitors just completely red blinking like it was traumatic like let's be real it was traumatic they put oxygen on me the whole bit and they wheel me off super asap to a an operating room and they pull her out and she's fine she had the cord wrapped around her belly so there was no way she was coming out by herself like this was a normal situation where we needed to get baby out safe Mm -hmm. but here's this mama who wanted Mm. to do things a different way and had this expectation in her head and had all of these dreams and aspirations put on her by, you know, society and media and all of these things. And I was holding on to that for dear life because it was my dream. We do this. We hold on like this, Kelly, because we got to know that we're enough. Right. We put all of our eggs into one basket on of enoughness. And if I can just do these things perfectly, then I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard. So hard. And so I have her and she's fine and she's beautiful. And they ask me, okay, so what's your goal? And I'm like, I want to breastfeed her. Duh. And we try and she's crying and I'm crying and it just doesn't work. She's losing weight by the second. And fast forward through this whole mess and we can't do it. Like it's four weeks and she's losing weight like crazy. And I just didn't know what to do. So, I mean, I'm at a lactation consultant and she's losing weight at the lactation consultant's office. And no one was telling me like, okay, I'm going to be like super forward. Like your boobs are broken. Like Mm -hmm. no one told me that. Mm -hmm. And no one told me that was a possibility. I just wanted someone to be real with me, right? Yeah. And your body was never broken and is not broken. But things don't work out sometimes. Yeah. And things don't work. And like it didn't work with my first. So I wanted something to fix it. And I needed something in my head to fix it, right? So I'm handling all this pressure. And it's 2018. And I'm trying to handle two babies. And anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. You know. It goes into anxious, anxious, and then depression. And I just don't know what to do with myself anymore. And I've never struggled with any of these kinds of feelings before in my life. My childhood was joyful, creative, inviting. My mother was this wonderful, like she invited me to all of these different things. I was like her buddy. My brother's 10 years older than me. So like me and her were like best pals. My dad came to every Girl Scout troop meeting. Like this was like a thing, like we're a trio. Like there was no problems, but yeah, I'm this anxious person carrying around all these inner pressures that I had no idea that I do to myself. And then I'm also trying to crochet for a business, right? Oh, so you were working through all of this. Uh-huh, too. Uh-huh. 
So I just want to pause for a moment here, and I want you to know that probably everybody who's listening resonates with a piece of and a part of your story. We have so much pressure on us, like put on us as parents. We just want to do it right. Even if we came up in the most beautiful, loving of homes, we still kind of struggle with the transition to parenthood. And when we add in a new child, there's a new transition too. So I just want you to know that you are not alone. It makes sense that these things were hard and, and having a business on top of it all. That's a lot. It was a lot. And the business wasn't really working in my head. I felt like I was failing on all aspects of my life. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I didn't know what to do. And so I signed up for this business course. And it was more like a program. It was a really high touch program. And the first thing we did was an inner child visualization. Mm. And I had never heard the word inner child in my life. Like this was woo woo to me. I had no clue. She didn't even say inner child. She just like started talking. She said, close your eyes. We're going to do something. I'm like, okay, sure. What? Okay. And we walked through a park and we met this little person and the little person ended up being ourselves. And we had a conversation with this little person. And I mean, she unloaded on, she was talking to me about how she had all of these questions about what did you wear to your wedding? What, what's your husband look like? What do your kids look like? How is everything going with your mom and dad? She just wanted to know about the future because she was so excited about meeting me, like future me. And I guess she was just like so excited about seeing something beyond herself. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. This is so cool. And it wasn't sad. I mean, I was crying because it was cool, but I was like so uplifted through the whole process of meeting my little self that I felt like I creatively had to do something with it. So I sat with it for about a day and part of the exercises we had to do for the course was to write a letter to our inner child. Now, I'm not sure if I did it right, but I decided to write the letter from my inner child to myself. So she was still talking to me Mm -hmm. and she was just writing all her questions. She was like, what did your wedding dress look like? She really wanted to know about that wedding dress. (laughs) (laughs) And she wanted to know if it was a ball gown and if it had sparkles on it. And if I wore sparkly shoes and if I had a tiara on my head and what did the babies look like? You know, she was still wondering about my life. She didn't want to know about her life because apparently her life was good. You know, she was settled. She was happy. And it was just such this like relaxing thing to just let her talk to me and get out of my own head and dream that I could just stop worrying about the future and let the future be fun again. Mm. It was so nice. So I took that and I was like, okay, well, I have to do something for her. I have to. I have to make her something. I've never made anything for myself. I was like, well, I'm- Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Right? Like (laughs) all these makers, like, okay, if you're a maker and you're listening to this, go make something for yourself because it will change your world. I'm serious. That is like my mission right now is to get makers (laughs) to make something for themselves because man, we don't do it enough. (laughs) Yeah. So I decide to make myself a doll. 
And I'm like, well, but I don't want just any doll because, you know, I can make characters. I can make, you know, a Disney princess that I love. I love Little Mermaid. I love Rapunzel. I love, you know, all these things. And I'm like, well, what if I made Kelly? Little Kelly. Yeah, little Kelly, you know, mm-hmm. not big Kelly. Big Kelly has problems. <laughs> <laughs> big Kelly wants to fix her hair like 24 <laughs> seven. I mean, little Kelly did too, but she had fun with it. I wanted to have fun with this little thing. And I ended up making something that wasn't just a picture of me. It was what little Kelly wanted to make for herself, what she would pick out in a toy store. So instead of taking a picture of me, which is usually the picture I go to is this dance picture of myself. And I'm in this little yellow polka dot bikini because that was my dance recital costume. (laughs) I hated that costume. (laughs) And instead of doing that, because I hated it, I decided, well, what does she want? And I started asking questions and I journaled about it a little bit. And, you know, I went back to the letter and, you know, I did this like fun exercise with her. I was like, okay, so she wants a ball gown. We know this. She keeps asking about that wedding dress. And so I gave her this big, gorgeous pink ball gown with sparkles all over it and big pink puffy sleeves like Little Mermaid. And I kept her hair cut the same because she wanted to look like her. And I put a tiara on her head and I put a ball of yarn in her hand. And it was just this wonderful thing that I gave to myself. And now whenever I look at it, it's like, wow, that's me. I love that. That is so happy and wonderful. And that's just how inner child dolls came to life because now whenever people see and hear my story, they're like, oh my gosh, you have to do that for me. I need that because I want to be able to look at my little self and be like happy about her instead of depressed. Because whenever we think about inner child work, it's like, it does. It feels heavy. And the thing is that what's surprising about that to me is that, yes, most of us have things in our past where we were harmed, where we were hurt, where we have feelings about it. And so it makes sense, of course, that there's hard stuff, that there are stories that our little ones have to tell us that are quite sad, that there are worries and fears that our little ones have um, that are emotional and tender, fears that we've kept close to our heart our whole lives. But children are naturally joyful. They know how to find fun and play anywhere. And so it also makes sense that a part, a crucial part of inner child work has to be the fun. It has to be the spirit of childhood coming to life. Has to be. We have to find the fun. I think we get so stuck in the pressure of life that we forget that it's okay to be fun and playful and joyful as an adult. I used to think that it was immature. I used Mm. to think that as an adult, I had to grow up, that it wasn't appropriate to be fun as a mom, as a, and you know, like you could be fun with your kids, but if you weren't with your kids, then it's like, you got to put on the dress, you got to do your hair, do your makeup and, you know, get out the door. And, you know, it's like, no, if I want to put a leopard print K on my keychain, then I'm going to dang put a leopard print keychain <laughs> on my keys. Like if I want some fun in my life, I want some fun in my life. Like, yeah. And so how is it, do you think that doing some inner child work can allow you to bring more fun into your everyday life as a mom? So once I started like really doing this on a regular basis, you know, I was making dolls regularly. I started having conversations with people 
just about, you know, trying to like spark their creativity and their imaginations about their inner child. So then I was like, well, I'm doing that for them. I probably need to start talking to my inner child too. So once, once I was like out and about and I was just kind of like interacting with my kids one day and I was like, okay, I started feeling like really anxious and I was like, okay, so what are you feeling? And the you was her. Mm. She was like, I don't know. I'm just really scared. And it's like, almost like you're hearing voices in your head, but it's like, you're just having this little conversation with yourself. And it's like, I'm just really scared. I don't know why. It's like, well, like what's happening? What's going on in like right now? What do you see? Well, the, the kids are really loud and there's something on the stove right now that you're trying to cook. And I don't know if it's going to work out because you know, all of these like regular mom moments. And it's like yeah. all this like little tiny pressures. And I didn't even realize that that was making me anxious. Mm-hmm. And so I learned through just talking to her and like taking a second with her that I can take out little moments of my daily life and just ease the pressure, just take off the pressure valve and just like, Ooh, okay. Are we good? And then yeah. I say, Oh, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, it's better. It's better. Okay. So like in that moment, so you checked in with little Kelly mm-hmm. and she says, I'm worried about, you know, the kids are really loud and I'm worried about dinners cooking on the stove and that it might not turn out okay. Like, what do you say back to yourself in that moment? I say, well. Or to I, little I, you, I guess. <laughs> I go into mother mode. I have to be mama at that moment. You know, like what would my mom say to me? And this might not work for everybody because everybody has a different mom, but you have to do what you would do for your kids. Yeah. And so if the kids are too loud, you say, okay, well, kids are really loud. And so maybe we need to step away for a minute. So let's go in another room. We can do that, right? Because we can control us. We can't control them. And if we're worried about the dinner not working out, we can always make something else and we can always stop making it. So there are always options and we just talk it through. You know, we talk it through. I think the anxiety I'm learning for myself is that I get so wrapped up in the problem that I never figure out the solution. The problems always just kind of bounce up on top of each other in this horrible cycle. Yeah, I think everybody who deals with anxiety knows exactly what you mean. But what you're talking about right there is reparenting yourself in the moment, learning to check in, tune in with yourself. What am I feeling? What am I worried about? Like, what is going on for me right now? And then how can I very kindly and gently and respectfully meet myself where I am and make life just a little bit easier on myself, right? So I think so often when you know, for you're incredibly lucky that you can call on your mom's voice. Many of us can't because, and we do, many of us didn't have a mom like yours and we still call on our mom's voice. And what that sounds like in our head is, you know, berating ourselves, criticism, shame, blame. Like in that moment, I can just imagine, you know, somebody, you know, if they called in their mom's voice right then and there, they maybe would say, gosh, you're worrying over nothing. It's not a big deal, you know, like, oh, just why are you so sensitive? You know, it's just kids being kids. Why do you have to be so sensitive? Those are the types of things that many of us heard growing up. And so whether we're aware of it or not, we talk to ourselves using that language. That's the language that was uploaded into our brains from a very young age. It's our default. That's the default language. And I think it's so important to recognize that as we are looking to make changes in our parenting, and the way we interact on the outside with our kids or with our partners, that change 
really has to start within in the inner dialogues that we are having. And that's how inner child work and reparenting work can be so powerful. And it's not just in the hard moments, it's in the fun moments too, or in just like the medium moments, the like middle of the road moments, like what you're talking about. That was an incredibly hard moment, but you were starting to feel overwhelmed. And so you checked in and instead of berating yourself or shaming yourself, you treated yourself with the kindness and understanding and compassion you would a child. Okay, I feel like I'm on a big dialogue, but that's the thing. That's I think that's the other piece that is so helpful with inner child work. It's cultivating a sense of that there is a part of me that's new. There is a part of me that's still learning. There is a part of me, even if I can't accept right now that all of me is deserving of compassion, I can accept that certainly there is a little child inside me who is, you know? Yeah, I think it's the fact that I've been able to take this vision of inner child work into this fun, creative space, I think has transformed it for me because instead of viewing an inner child as scared or depressed or nervous, you know, that little child in the corner in tattered rags, you know, that's that's what most people see when they think of inner child work. Like they just see this poor little baby who needs to be taken care of. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, when you start, sometimes that's what happens. But what if we started by opening this magical fairy door and she is like dressed in these beautiful pink ball gowns or she's in like rainbow colored Uh, I don't know, fairy costumes, or, you know, she's in your dance costume again, or, you know, your favorite dress, or she can be whatever you need her to be. She's your creative self, like personified. I feel like that's what I do. I help you see that your inner child can be your own little guide to helping you heal instead of you trying to heal her. Because you can't heal, trauma can't heal trauma, right? Like it just doesn't work. (laughs) I mean, it just doesn't work. So if you're feeling traumatized, then how in the world are you expected to take a little child in the corner and bring them out of the corner and put, you know, give them food, give them water and give them shelter? Like it doesn't work. So what if we went and we found this magical little bee full of light, full of wonder, of playfulness and creativity and joy and we said hey can you come help me because yeah. i, I want to play with you right now because i'm feeling really sad or really scared or really angry oh my gosh that's something i'm working with my therapist right now i am struggling with letting my anger out and by playing it is like the most magical thing because i am able to say it is okay to be angry because I'm doing it in a playful way. I was, okay, here's a story. So I was finger painting with my kids like two weeks ago, and I had just had my first therapy session. And we uncovered this anger about the breastfeeding and all that. And I was just, oh, it's just so mad about the whole thing because I was like, all of these pressures that I let get to me, right? And I just took this black paint and I just slammed it on this paper. And I was like, I just want to scream at this paper right now. And one of those little inner child thoughts came to me. And she was like, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started hitting this paper and like flinging paint at the paper. And I took red paint and I like smeared red paint all over it. And then my daughter came over and she said, rainbow, rainbow, rainbow. 
and there was a rainbow underneath it where she had colored on the page before. I was like, oh, there's a rainbow under the storm. Mm. And just by playing, I was able to paint the rainbow over the storm of my emotions. Like it was just by playing, by letting things just be completely organic and just listening to that little person say, just do it, just do it. Like letting go of the inhibitions and just letting go, you know, be Elsa, let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think children are unencumbered by societal expectations. You know, they, I mean, very early we start layering shoulds on them, you know, and so we learn to should all over ourselves. But children are unencumbered by that at some point, you know. Of course, a shift happens as they get older and they move more out into the world and, you know, they kind of start layering in all of the things that they think they're supposed to be or that they need to be to be lovable and acceptable but there's a certain point when they're young and they are still free in that way and that's the piece of inner child work that I think can be really really fun and inspiring like you're saying that they can teach you so much about how to be yourself like how to love yourself how to be okay with who you are okay so I'm tearing up now thinking about all the little children in the hearts of the people who are listening And so I would love to know, Kelly, if you had just a few little prompts, little journal prompts or things that they could maybe go for a walk and think through, you know, to find these children. It can be quite hard and intimidating to think like, okay, I'm going to go inside and find my inner child. It feels very woo to some people. It feels very slippery to some people. So what are some of the things that you could ask yourself or journal about just maybe even like three things that people could journal about right now to help guide them in that process and finding the little one who's just waiting for them or meeting or describing or starting that dialogue. One of the biggest questions I think is what is your happiest memory as a child? Because we always go back and our brains are wired like this, right? I mean, We want to go back to the trauma. We want to go back to what needs to be fixed. So instead of going back to the sad and the hurt, to the pain. And it's not to say that there's not a space and time for that, but it's not either or, it's both and. Right. Yes. Because that's not where this doll comes from for me. We can't let a physical object be surrounded in sadness, right? Mm. So we want to bring back your happiest memory as a child. And it can be as tiny as running in the sprinklers. It can be as magical as playing in the willow tree outside your first home. And it takes a second, right? Because those memories are kind of buried deep, right? So we have to kind of sit with ourselves and like think about, well, what's your favorite toy? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite, you know, all of those little tiny questions that When you were three, when you were four, when you were six, when you were eight, you know, once you get all of those little things boiled down to, then all of those beautiful, magical memories start to unfold for you. So that's one. And I usually ask if you went into a store, what would you pick out to wear? Mm. Because a lot of people, when I ask them, you know, what do you want your inner child doll to wear? like oh I don't know my mom picked out all my clothes Mm -hmm. yeah right yeah of course she did she had the money she had the style and you were a child but if you could if little Laura or little Kelly could pick out 
anything in the world to wear, what would they wear? And you could write about it and you could dream about it. I mean, some people are even telling me that they want to wear what Rainbow Bright wore. Mm-hmm. Like they're wearing these crazy little outfits. And I'm like, it's so fun. It's so fun. And then the last one, it's usually a little more emotional. What's your favorite like symbol or shape? Because what I like to do is I like to put something on the doll that you can kind of like run your fingers over Mm. and just kind of connect emotionally to it because I embroider it on the doll shirt. So if it's a simple shape, I can do that. So a lot of people do rainbows or clouds or mountains, and it has some sort of emotional meaning to them from childhood, some memory or person that's connected to this shape or symbol and it's really magical i just love it but those are three questions that i use for all of my clients Mm -hmm. and i think it's something that i go back to all the time for myself because it changes right whenever we think about the different ages of our inner child because it's from zero to uh, about eight right eight or seven is usually when we are thinking about those yeah, because then eight, you know, we usually start to mm-hmm. we usually have a couple of not so great experiences <laughs> and the world likes to taint us. But you start thinking about all those different ages and all those different stages of life. And we're changing so much in those ages. I mean, good grief, even from zero to three, good grief. My <laughs> child has changed like so much. I cannot even tell you. So <laughs> You can do this again and again and again and think of all of these playful, beautiful memories and you can take those memories. I mean, I've even taken like the tiara thing for myself and I've incorporated it into my life. Like I keep a tiara in my office now. I mean, I've collected tiaras since I was little, but I never wore them because I thought it was immature. I was like, wear them when I have a costume for it. Like, no, I don't know. We're not going to do that, Kelly. It's not, it's not appropriate. But but when I started making the dolls, I started wearing it out. Like I went to the grocery store with it on the head. It was before COVID. It was like right before COVID hit. And I went to my doctor's office and I went to my preschool drop-off and I went to my kid's doctors and only two people said something. And and it was my, (laughs) my kid's doctor. And he was like, Oh, is it like your birthday or something? I was like, no. <laughs> and, and he was like, I just want to feel better. You know, I just seen if it makes me feel better. He was like, is it working? Like, yeah, you know what? It actually kind of is. He was like, that's great. I love it. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. You know, one question I feel like that came up that I might ask myself too is like just, you know, at any point in time when you want to connect with your inner child, your inner joy, mm-hmm. asking your inner child. So like if you want to have more joy in your life, mm-hmm. your inner child is the best person to guide you to that joy. So even just in any moment in time where you're like, you know, it's feeling a little stale, feeling a little stagnant, you know, I could just use a little fun right now. Going inside, and if even if you've never even met your inner child, but going inside and thinking about like, if I were five or if I were four, like looking around, what would I do right now? What in the room would I be drawn to? Like, what would I do? What would I pick up? What would I go do? You know, what music song would I put on just right now? And you know, this question, I've been thinking a lot about how women are really in a pleasure deficit, like especially moms, like we don't enjoy ourselves very much. 
And, you know, we really don't take a lot of time just even just to make our environments pleasing to us. And so I recently bought myself a fountain, like an indoor fountain, because I really love the sound of running water. And like I have specific memories from my childhood. I grew up on a farm and, you know, the stream that ran through the back of my parents' property of my childhood home had this beautiful bubbling sound to it that I really missed. And what's interesting now, like, and that memory is probably from when I was like five or six. So I bought this fountain. I've really been enjoying having it. But my five, almost six-year-old daughter is just enthralled by it. And I've been watching her a lot while I've been thinking about pleasure and joy and not pleasure in a, you know, I think the word pleasure has been co-opted by intimacy. And that's not what I mean in terms of pleasure. I mean, just like enjoyment, enjoyment, right? I've been really watching, especially like you were saying, my older daughter is eight and she's starting to be encumbered by social graces, by, you know, what she should do and what she shouldn't do. But my five-year-old is not yet. And so like, I was watching her the other day and she was out in the snow and she just was taking chunks of snow, like icy snow, and just repeatedly beating them until they broke apart on the side of her playset. And like, it must have felt good. It must have delighted her. It must have, you know, been satisfying. It must have met some need of hers. And she just didn't care if she looked weird. She didn't care if anybody else understood what or why she was doing it. She just did it for 10 minutes, just sat there beating icy snow chunks against the side. And I was just like, this is so beautiful to watch kids do this, to seek their joy, to seek their play, to seek their enjoyment without a thought to, is someone going to think anything about this to me? Is it, you know, it just, oh gosh, I just had this memory of my older daughter when she was about three. She found this headdress from, I was a dancer, so I grew up dancing. I danced for 14 years. It was a big part of my life. But she found this headdress from one of my dance costumes that was this like neon yellow and neon pink feather headdress that was the size of her head. It was huge. And she would wear it out and she wore it for herself, for her own enjoyment. But it got her a lot of attention. The adults around her enjoyed seeing her in it, enjoyed seeing the joy, but she didn't like the attention and she slowly stopped wearing it because she's shy. She's quiet. She's introverted. She did not like strangers coming up to her, talking about it with her. And at first my approach to that was, well, honey, you know, if you don't want people to talk to you about it, then you probably aren't going to be able to wear it out. And then I was like, oh my God, no, she shouldn't have to change what she likes to make the world comfortable. You know, like that's not what the the lesson I want to communicate to her. And so I was like, I came back to the conversation because, you know, we make mistakes as parents. We realize like, oops, I communicated something poorly to my kid. And so when we do, we can always circle back. And so I came back to her and I said, honey, I was wrong. Like you should be allowed to wear something that makes you feel joy, that you love, and that feels good on your body and no one should be able to make you feel uncomfortable that you can't wear that and so then we made a plan for what we were going to do if she wore it out and somebody came up to her and she didn't want to talk about it so when like our plan was that if someone came up to her and wanted to talk about it I would just say to them well she doesn't really like to talk about you know what she looks like or what she's wearing but she would love to talk to you about dragons you know and then there was a you know a topic that she felt comfortable talking about as opposed to her appearance and this is something that like I think girls especially we go out into the world and are our appearance, our bodies, our fashion are available for public consumption in a way that is just so disturbing to me. And I love your tiara story. Like a five-year-old would not care. She'd wear that tiara and enjoy it. Why do we care? 
and bringing a little bit of that playfulness, maybe not every day, but when trusting your intuition, I love, I feel like I just kind of ran away with our show (laughs) for a second there, but it's beautiful the way that you're inviting us to think about how can my inner child inspire me to live a more joyful and enjoyable life? I think that's lovely. It doesn't have to be heavy. It can be fun too. Totally be fun. It should be fun. Yeah. So in my process of kind of working with you and designing my doll, it was fun. There were also times where it was very emotional too. There's a piece of what you do that is so, so lovely and beautiful. So Kelly, thank you so much for this conversation. It was so much fun to talk with you and think about these things with you. I really appreciate this layer of fun that you've brought to this focus on inner work. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.